everybody, welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and I really enjoyed my interview today with Andrew. So Andrew Hawkins is a ex-Army officer, so he was an active duty Army officer, and then he got into um, our house flipping formula group and kind of didn't do much with it. But then what he did was he attended Flip Hacking Live in 2019, joined the Seven Figure Runway, and he's got an interesting story. It took him almost eight to nine months to get his first deal. And most people would quit after a month, two months, three months. So this is a story of perseverance, a story of dedication, a story of confidence. And he goes on to do his first deal about mid-year this year. And now he's got quite a few under contract, is moving right along. And it's really this kind of like, once you get from zero to one, you know that it starts becoming easier and easier and easier after that. So great interview with him. He talks about all the ups and downs. He works at full-time W2 job. And we're in this first deal story podcast series with our seven figure runway members. And this was a really good one. I really enjoyed it. We talk about the virtual flip hacking live experience that we're, that's coming up this year. Um, we talk about all the different ins and outs of what he's doing. So I hope you guys enjoy it. This is going to be one for you who are out there who are thinking about this is too hard. I can't do this. It's I've been trying for so long and I haven't gotten a deal. I think this is going to be one that you really need to listen to. So um, without further ado, let's jump into the interview that I did with Andrew. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey, everybody. So we're back with this First Deal Story podcast. So I've been doing this series on first deals, and our runway members have been coming in telling stories about their first deal, how they got it, some of the, the struggles that they had along the way, some of the easy wins, all kinds of different things. You guys are able to see a huge cross-section of our mastermind group and what we're doing. So today I have Andrew Hawkins on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to him. Uh, he lives in a really cool area, exactly where I want to live for the rest of my life. And um, I, I think you guys are going to enjoy his story. He's got uh, some really cool things that are going on. It's not the normal, like I'm investing in my backyard story. So uh, Andrew, first of all, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to hear about it. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Okay, so let's jump in. So tell everybody who you are, kind of where you live, a little bit about your story. Um, I've called this kind of like our seven-figure flipping story, but tell a little bit about like your background of, um, you know, uh, give an idea of who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically grew up between the Midwest, Southwest. Um, after college, uh, was in the Army, did ROTC, so a little bit of a similar background to yours, moved around. Um, various places and you know obviously was observing the different um, you know types of real estate and and just things to each region um, so did that active duty for seven years got out and I knew I wanted to be a, a real estate investor what what that looked like you know I was leaning towards uh, being a flipper and um, you know I moved I was in California at the time when I left active duty figured um, I'd moved down to Orange County while I'm still here. If it doesn't work out, you know, it's easier to move out of state. So uh, fortunately, still still here, somehow managed to uh, to pay the bills each month. But um, 
yeah, when I got out, I went into construction management, working for um, a few uh, large builders. And I just figured, you know, if I'm getting paid to learn how to build homes, you know, that's, that's an experience that would help me as a real estate investor. So uh, one of the things I found out, um, you know, is around 2015, when I left active duty and, and went this route, was it's very competitive here. You know, there's a lot of um, money from overseas uh, feeding into this area and I just couldn't compete. Um, you know, there's, there's one deal, one uh, contract that I tried to use my VA loan on, I, I sent a letter, you know, really personable. I ended up being the backup offer, but you know, um, to, to, to a cash offer. So, um, you know, really I just kept working uh, as a construction manager. Um, I bought my own place and completely gutted it down to the studs. I changed the layout, did the whole owner-occupied thing, and basically proved to myself, like, I can do this and work a full-time job. Um, it was not easy, for sure, but um, a very rewarding experience. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm getting to enjoy the, the fruits of that labor. And... Um, yeah, that's so when was that? When was that when you uh, renovated your own house that you were living in? Mm -hmm. That was I purchased it at the end of 2016 and moved in uh, April of of uh, 17. Okay, so uh, let's let's take it. Let's kind of give everybody a picture of a timeline. So you did this. Uh, did Army ROTC? Got commissioned in the Army. I won't hold that against you. I promise. Seven years of active duty. Uh, left in 2015. And then you, you started doing construction management and did that help you like that? So that year you're doing construction management for builders. Does that help you in the project management of your own house in 2016? What was that? Did that, did that give you the bug to jump into real estate and start investing? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I was green. I, I did not know anything about homes. I mean, like I basically was told, go make a punch list and it's kind of like, what what's that what am I punching <laughs> um, yeah no it, it it definitely helped I mean basically started on the back end and as I gained more experience towards the front end I mean it's to the point where you know now give me a, a, a dirt lot I could go build a home um, well I'd need the money too but uh, yeah it's it's that for sure made this happen um, and just knowing who to talk to um, as far as, you know, the, the different, not just having connections with how to do it, but also having connections with the, the trades and the subs that were able to do side jobs and help out. And, you know, there's other things I had to hire um, people I didn't know, but it most definitely helped. I actually um, was also during this time, I had, I had joined um, the Facebook group, um, the 7FF group, not the 7FF, but the um, um, the free group, like our free Facebook group? The group before, yeah. And I actually joined like the, the basic membership back in 2015. I was listening to the podcast. Oh, Housewing you Formula. Know. You're talking about Housewing Formula. Correct. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I just didn't recall the name. But um, yeah, I actually started way back then. Oddly enough, um, I was actually, I had talked to uh, Rob down in Phoenix and he had uh, given me your number. This was before I had purchased this home and I was like, trying to jump in but i just it, it wasn't the right time for me he was like hey reach out to bill you know obviously i never called you i kind of i mean we each have our own journeys um i'm wondering 
what would happen if I had, but you know, it, it really wasn't until um, this last year when I was at Flip Hacking Live down in San Diego that um, I knew it was, it was, I was at that point where, okay, now it's my time, not just because of where I was at, but seeing where you were, what you had gone through and um, what you wanted to share, that's when I felt enabled to be able to do it myself. So, um, you know, I'm glad we're still able to, to talk here now, a few years later. That's it. It's a crazy how, uh, how that happens, right? So Rob Badhorn was one of the, uh, he was at the first ever seven-figure flipping meeting with me. It's probably around the same time. It's probably right after that, because that was around 2015. Um, like end of 2015, 2016, right around there. So, um, and all those people at that meeting were like House Living Formula members, knew each other. They were the people who were kind of growing inside of the, that like early program to this new mastermind group. And I just kind of came in from outside. I had no, we were talking pre-show a little bit about, I had no business being there. I had done like one house a year. I've done two, two flips in my, in my life, had a couple round houses. And I kind of like snuck in under the radar. So um, it would have been cool if we talked. Cause we probably have that, we had that military background, which is probably why he recommended me. And so um, from there, so let's see, 2016, you bought this house, you lived in it, owner occupied, you renovated it. And then you still live in it now or did you sell it? What'd you do with it? Mm -hmm. No, this is it. Um, I mean, I changed, you know, the floor plan quite a bit and, um, you know, knocked out a few walls. Um, yeah. It's, well, it's, it looks awesome. Yeah. It looks like a fake Zoom background, by the way. So if you're watching this on our, <laughs> our YouTube channel or anywhere on our website or anything, you'll be able to see it. But a beautiful house, like awesome. Like, uh, so, so you got done, you moved in 2017, and then you still had real estate investing in your blood. You wanted to do it. And what happened there from 2017 to like 2019? What happened? Just, uh, you know, didn't, didn't feel like I had the, uh, the finances. There was a lot of things going on. You know, I was on my HOA board. Um, we actually did a total recall of the previous board. Um, yeah, just a lot of things and really taking on projects um, and just working my, my full-time job. Um, just things weren't happening at that time, but I was still kind of listening and, and um, you know, still having that interest, but not taking action. So I think there's a lot of other people out there that do the same thing. And I'm curious, like, what was it? Was it just not, you just didn't have the fire. You didn't, you, you, it was kind of like a plan B or plan C for you. You were focused on your job and where you were going. Like what was going on and, and why do you think that you just weren't ready to take that step? Um, I think, I think a few things. Um, so with my full-time job, we, we went through the first year through a, uh, a merger then a year later, we were acquired um, by another large builder. And then um, shortly thereafter, I uh, leaped over to another builder um, and uh, had my own, my own community there that I was building. And I think I just, it was a matter of not having the time, feeling I did, like I didn't have the time to do it. Um, and I think a little bit of a, a work-life balance uh, during that time frame. Um, and it didn't feel like opportunities were presenting themselves. So perhaps just a timing, timing issue. Okay. So then you, what made you say, did, were you coming to Flip Hacking Live every year or was last year the first uh, time that you, that you came to the event? Last year was actually the first time I'd, I'd attended. 
Um, what, you know, made still, you, what made you do that? I was still listening to the podcast and um, on, on occasion. And then one day, you know, I heard, I heard you on there and I was like, oh, what's going on? Okay. And, you know, you, you were talking about um, your vision, your, your core values, um, who you are, uh, you know, who, who the other people in the group are that you're surrounding yourself with. And, and that all really spoke to me. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to be able to do this business and, and know it, but I, I feel like this is also a people business as well um, as, a, as a significant component. And listening to your background and what you valued really felt like, it made me feel like, um, you know, it wasn't just a mastermind group. It wasn't just a group that you pay money and, and get a bunch of information, you know, things like that. It actually felt like a community that, that I could be a part of. So when I went to uh, Flip Hacking Live, that's, that's basically what really had me go to Flip Hacking Live, you know, the proximity. But then while there, to see it further, to see, you know, what was presented there, um, you know, it, it wasn't a pitch to join the group. Flip Hacking Live was awesome because, I mean, it was, it was you know, everyone sharing their secrets, um, you know, really presenting a lot of information, which, you know, for me at that point was a lot of it, you know, perhaps was beyond where I needed to be, but to still be able to see where to go and where I needed to head. Um, and to, to have that vision, I felt enabled. I felt like, you know, the, the, the community there was the right community. And that's, that's where I, I took that next step. That's awesome. I, I, I think we can come back to that towards the end. I want to jump into kind of what you were doing, but it, the whole goal for me at that event is to kind of just show who we are and, and who I am and who the company is and what we want to do. And, um, and then it, it attracts the right people, right? So you heard a podcast probably at the right time that you were feeling the right way that you were like, well, I'm going to go check this thing out. And that's it. Like the, it's, an, it's an open invitation for anybody out there who's interested in coming and seeing what it's like. And obviously this year is a little bit different. This is one of the first kind of first deal stories that we're doing that since we've announced a virtual event, but it's going to be the same, like a similar event. I won't say it's the same event, but we're going to present it three days live. We're going to present three days of the same content, the same strategy, the same kind of like interaction. We just have to do it virtually. So um, we've got a really cool plan. We're, you know, we're building out a stage, building out a whole area. I'll be able to see every single face on a screen in front of me. Like I'm there um, at a conference room or in a, in a uh, like conference center inside of a hotel that, um, and then we can do cool stuff. We can break people out and we can even, we're even talking right now and I'm letting a little bit of a cat out of the bag right now. We're even talking about potentially we're able to run like multiple sessions at the same time where sometimes when a flipper comes, they feel like, ah, it's like 60% of the event was for them, but the other 40 was mainly for a wholesaler. And a wholesaler feels like 60% of the event was for them, but 40% is for a flipper and I don't need to hear it. So we have the opportunity this year to potentially run a couple sessions where we can have the flippers go here and we can have the wholesalers go here, where we can actually like deliver exactly what they need for 100% of the session or the 100% of the three days, which is something that we couldn't do in person. So it get, provides a lot of opportunity for us to be innovative and do some cool stuff. So um, I promise anybody that's listening, this will probably be something that you're at the end, like my goal after three days is for you to say, whoa, like I did not know that you could do that with technology right now and be the first real estate investment uh, you know, 
event that that's put together like that this year, um, just out of necessity, obviously. So, um, and it may be the only year that we do it. So it's going to be exciting. Could, and if I could add, like, you know, I went into it thinking that flipping was the route that I would be going, you know? And so I, I you know, if, if someone's listening to this, I, w- I wouldn't limit yourself to one route or the other, unless like, you know, you know, for certain, that's what you're going to do. Um, that, Regardless, it's good to know both sides of the house. And, um, you know, at this point, I've, I've been doing wholesaling because of my situation. And, and it's actually, it's, you know, it's, it's been really awesome. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. Like, I thought I wanted to be a flipper. And that was my plan in the beginning. And then I organically became a wholesaler. We primarily wholesale houses. We flip a couple, but we primarily wholesale. And I've seen this exact opposite from other people. And sometimes you get, you get pushed one way or the other based on, uh, the market based on your skill set, your the scenario, anything, lots of different things. So, okay, so you got you came to Flip Hacking Live in 2019. It was in San Diego. Um, yeah. Obviously, you joined the Seven Figure Runway program that we launched for the first time ever there. And then you just kind of started running. What was that like? Tell me, like once you joined, what what happened then? Well, um, I tried to create the perfect system um, before really even getting the leads. Um, you know. You were, you were in the area one time, um, you know, and we all met as a group and, and uh, you said something really impactful when we were, you know, just sitting there after, um, afterwards. And I mean, really, I, that's what lit the fire under me is your concern that because I wasn't pursuing the, the leads um, to the extent that I should be at that stage of my business, that you know, I'm, I may not even get anywhere, you know, and I could really hear it. I could see it in your face and that put me into sales mode, you know, and to stop trying to perfect everything else. And, and granted along the way, you know, you'd mentioned that, you know, whether it be in the videos, um, in the, uh, the runway group or, um, you know, other, other guests and reality is it, it'll get figured out, you know, but you got, you got to go get those leads. You got to get those contracts and, and that's become a reality. Okay. So let me take, let me see if I can remember the story the way it went down. So we were, we were in, we were in Calabasas for our EOS planning session in January. We flew out there on January 1st. It was like New Year's day. We flew out there. And then um, I think you were sitting at the other, it was like a huge table. We brought all these people to dinner. People came up from San Diego, came down from uh, like, I don't know, uh, I don't know if middle California is a, even an area, but they came, I mean, north and south. And then we kind of um, came together in, in Calabasas there for dinner. And you guys were sitting on the other end of the table. I remember coming down there. I think Becca was down there and you were talking to her. And I basically remember you telling me like, I'm setting up my CRM and my systems. And I, I was like, well, how are the leads coming? Like, well, I haven't really started that. Or it hasn't been my focus. I want to make sure that everything's perfect. So when they start coming in, that I have everything in place. And I was like, what do you need all that other stuff for if you don't have any leads? Like, stop doing all of that other stuff and just start figuring out how to drive leads. Like, let the leads tell you that you need a CRM. You can start with a piece of paper and a pencil like I did. It's not that important. It'll tell you when it's important. And so you're spending a bunch of money and getting everything set up for this perfect system. And a year later, you're gonna look back and go, well, I have a perfect system now, but for what? So, and I remember that conversation actually pretty vividly now that you bring it up. Um, and I didn't know the result after you left. Like you didn't commit there. You were just kind of like, 
you were just listening, <laughs> taking it in, and I could see that there was the wheels were turning in your head, but you hadn't specifically like committed. I didn't make you like tell me that you're going to stop doing that. So it's that's cool to hear. And and for anybody who's listening, you joined the uh, the mastermind group in October, and this was in January, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like two and a half months in, and that's a lot of times where people go. Like people go there all the time. They they want to get all that stuff set up. They want to get that, um, that perfect CRM, that perfect thing before they send out mail. So hopefully this is a word of warning to anybody who's listening. Don't do that. And so maybe you can, so what was your plan going in? In October you joined, were you, what was your plan? You were going to start the business somewhere else. Maybe give us some of that background. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier the market, that I live in is extremely competitive, um, higher price point, a lot more risk. Uh, so I actually set up a, a virtual wholesale market out of state um, in Arizona. And um, basically, you know, I, I, I lived in Arizona for a while, but um, I set this up uh, in proximity where my brother lives as well. I've, I'd spent a lot of time there visiting him and, and had just gotten to know the area a little bit. You know, I followed, um, you know, a number of the videos that you had to kind of research markets and it, and it seemed like, it seemed like it would be a good opportunity. Um, and it was still within, you know, a day's driving distance. Um, so, which, you know, I just got back last night from there. So it's, it's, it made it doable uh, within reach, um, but it definitely added additional factors and hurdles to overcome. Um, like what? So, Tell us, like what, what did it, what are some of the, what are some of the downsides? So you're talking about a virtual market that's not in your backyard. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the, the things that um, were, uh, have been difficult for you over the past few years or the past few months, I guess? I, I would say one of the, the most difficult things is the, the difficulty to network and build my lists and things like that uh, in a more organic way. Um, and to it's it's such a local locally minded community that for an outsider to be you know kind of coming in um, had its had a, an additional hurdle to that networking um, you know but definitely uh, you know use PropStream and you know things like that to find buyers and to build that list so it's definitely uh, progressed um, but there's that and and really understanding the the type of homes in the area you know i wasn't familiar with with septic systems uh, manufactured homes and yet those are really prevalent uh, in that market so um you know having to learn about those uh, wells there's a, a lot of vacant land so just really working through a different region that i wasn't necessarily familiar with um, that, that would be a large one. The other thing was the, the appointments as leads started coming in. Um, you know, I had to deal, obviously filter out a lot of the, the retail leads and, um, not really being able to further discover those since it, it wasn't just, you know, down the street to go just, you know, see if, see if, it, if there was more to the story or not. Um, but on some of the hot leads, I mean, I would go and, and, um, in Jan late January, I did a turn and burn weekend where I drove out right after work on Friday, uh, had an appointment on Saturday, and then came back on Sunday and, um, you know, just doing what I had to do. Since then, I've been able to further develop 
um, my acquisitions manager to, to go on these appointments himself and, and slowly being able to give him the reins as, you know, he, he shows, um, you know, more knowledge and, and gaining more experience with that position. So that, that definitely was a major hurdle, um, you know, with the doing things virtually now, especially with the environment we're currently operating in, you know, it's, that's definitely something that I've been able to integrate to a certain extent. Um, so it's still, I'm still figuring things out, but that's kind of where we're at. So I like that. It sounds like uh, you, your brother was there. So you used the resources that you had some uh, and you had been there before. So it's knowledge of an area that you were. I know in the, one of the videos that I talk about is what kind of experience and skill set do you have? Like, did you live somewhere? Do you have somebody that lives in another area? If you can't invest or it doesn't make sense to invest where you are, how do you do it? Not just like you could use that. Well, it's too expensive in my area. Like most people do. I'm just not going to do this. And then they quit right there. And you said that you've got some challenges, septic manufactured homes, wells, vacant land, uh, going on appointments, stuff like that, but it's not going to stop you, right? You're resourceful. And I love the, the quote that you just said, doing what I had to do. I was just doing what I had to do. Like drive out there on a Friday, have an appointment on a Saturday, turn around, drive back. Like who is everybody willing to do that? No, like they're not. You've got to be willing to do what others aren't willing to do to get where you want to go. And so, um, okay. So, you, in January, you said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start focusing on leads and the sales and stuff like that. So why don't we talk about, um, like, when was it that you got your first deal done? Like, you got this first deal under contract and closed. What month was it? You know, um, so my first closed deal was actually in the May-June timeframe. But in March, I actually had a deal that should have been a deal. Um, and I learned a number of things through that. So it, it took, it took a couple months. Um, you know, mailers went out probably mid, mid January, right after, you know, meeting with you and it was like, all right, let's get this thing going. So I, I had a, a very motivated lead, um, come in about a month and a half afterwards and, um, kind of went with that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the May, June deal first. So you got this deal that, um, came in May. So t tell me a little bit about it. Let's, let's start with just how you found it. Tell us a little bit about that story. So I expanded my, my marketing, um, the, the radius a little further out. And there was a lead from um, an area about an hour from, um, from, my, from my market and very motivated. Um, you know, it actually, when, when my AM went on it, he he got he got it basically for what um, he offered. She just wanted out of the home, and you know I I told him, do not expect it to be that easy in the future. I mean you you basically had a blank check right there, because um, she was going to sign. But uh, but you know we gave her we gave her a really solid price, and um, but I, I then encountered some hurdles even after getting the contract. Um, with you know being under our, our mao uh there's some issues where like the septic was underneath the carport so the foundation was covering it um she didn't know where the access points were and whether it never been pumped out in the 20 years that they had lived there so now it's like oh no like you know i'm already having difficulty uh marketing this to buyers that are willing to go to this this more rural area 
And so, you know, dropping the price as much as I could, and then, you know, having to go back and, and uh, have a price adjustment with the seller due to the, the circumstances and just, you know, just trying to just being honest with her, like I'm really trying to move the property, but this septic issue can be very costly. So we worked through that and, uh, you know, fortunately, um, I had posted an ad on Facebook, kind of like a, a little Hail Mary um, with about two, two weeks remaining, I think, till close of escrow. And um, someone that lived there locally uh, picked it up, knew someone that uh, was willing to go that far out. And, you know, we made it a win-win situation. Okay, so got the house under contract for what she was asking. Mm-hmm. You were out in a rural area about an hour from the main, main market. Mm-hmm. You don't have a big buyer's list. And it sounds like you don't have any buyers in that area, probably maybe a couple who would be willing to look at it. Got some yep. issues with the with the septic tank and some other things. You ended up getting a price drop from the seller. She actually came down in price. How much, do you remember? Uh, we dropped at 15. Okay, so $15,000 reduction. And then you're like, I can't, probably I'm still not gonna move this property. And you put an, you, you just put a post on Facebook, an ad, like tell me about it, how'd you do that? Yeah, just real simple, uh, you know, had a photo, location, um, price range and um, nothing, nothing extravagant. I just basically tried to, to throw a pass out there and see, see if anyone would be able to catch it. And where was that? It's in a RIA group or a, a, a marketplace ad? What was it? Oh yeah. So it was, um, I joined several uh, local Facebook groups that were real estate related, um, wholesale groups, um, REI, you know, any, any of those keywords, join those and um, basically to see who from a nearby city would, would venture out that far. Got it. So uh, just kind of putting out, putting it out on Facebook, just like anybody would, Hey, I got this house. So this is the RV. This is the repairs, that kind of stuff. All right. So a buyer, somebody that knows another buyer picks it up, sees the ad and says, um, Hey, I think I might have somebody for this deal. Is that right? You did like a JV with them or something? Um, I basically, no. Yeah. So I assigned it to him. And, and then he approached his buyers. Okay. So you assigned it to him and then for, for a price and he said, okay, I'll take it for this. And then whatever I make on top of that, I'll get to keep. Is that right? Okay, cool. So we've done that before in my business. Um, and I, that's how I like to do it. I say like, what do you want for it? Uh, instead of splitting 50, 50, uh, if you want 10,000 for your fee, I'm going to go out and see if I can make 40 and it works for us. If I make two or none, then it's on me. Right? So, um, I would say for anybody out there who's considering that, just make sure that you're careful because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll tie up your contract and then basically cancel it. So anytime that we do that with somebody else, like somebody else, if I want to, I want them to do a non-refundable deposit to me. So if I have a property under contract, and they're going to go out and market it to their buyers, or they're going to do it as at the same time that I'm doing. It's like a lot of people call it like daisy chaining deals and things like that. You'll see a lot of that. Uh, but if you, it, at this point, you're, like you said, it's a Hail Mary, right? So you're trying to figure out what that looks like. And so I bet you were just like thankful that you've got some help. So this other person is prevalent in the area. Did you know them before or anything like that? Or is this the first time that you talked and worked together? First time we had talked, um, you know, he actually wasn't even in the business uh, all too long, um, but he had lived in the area. So he, he knew a lot of people 
um, he was able to, you know, kind of going back, back to networking, he had already developed that uh, passively before he started real estate. And so uh, how much money did you make? So he, this guy got it assigned, got it closed. So you assigned it to him. He assigned it to somebody else, I guess, or double closed it or something. So um, what, what, what did it look like? Like, what were the numbers like? How much did you make? How much did he make? Do you know? Yeah, we both, we both made um, about 20 each, uh, surprisingly, because I had already uh, dropped the price, you know, just trying to move it. And, um, but he found a buyer that ironically was on the list of LLCs that I had pulled as, um, you know, potential companies to reach out to. And uh, so when I saw that it was them, I was like, oh man, that looks familiar. <laughs> But, um, you know, because I wasn't familiar with skip tracing at this point, it kind of seemed like, what is that? Like, okay, you know, since then, I've definitely learned and been using it. Um, and it's not something to really be scared of. So go for it. And it doesn't cost money uh, to anyone that's trying to build their buyers list. It's, it's a great, great way to go. But, um, you know, I also learned that I, I could have done a holdback. That's, that's a tool that I wasn't as familiar with, and it, it could have been really useful in this, uh, this situation. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I learned along the way. Yeah, and I, know, I know we've talked about escrow holdbacks on the podcast in the past, basically just like putting some money in there, letting the seller stay a little bit over probably to ease their transition to move out. And uh, it's a great tool to be able to possibly uh, be a little bit more attractive from a competitor that might come in to, um, uh, to negotiate against you. So, um, and we could talk about that more in, in a future episode or maybe even something on one of the other uh, shorter podcasts uh, that, that I'm running. This Flip Hacking Live podcast is like a perfect five to eight minute segment on what an escrow holdback is. So, we, um, so, you know, it's interesting. You have this buyer who is on your list and <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this together. Rob Badhorn gave you my phone number uh, in 2016, and uh, you know Rob Badhorn. Rob Badhorn owns a skip tracing service company now, and he would be the person that I would give you the number to when you ask me about skip tracing now. So pretty funny how the whole circle comes back together, right? And then this buyer is on your list, and you're probably kicking yourself because you're like, well, could have made $40,000 instead of twenty. dollars if I just skip trace that person, got them on my list, or you know the work that, but at that, like, in the beginning, it's okay. Like that stuff happens. You, it's one step, one foot in front of the other. Like you can't look too far ahead or else you're, you're going to do what you did in October, November, December. You're going to yeah. just try to put everything together. What you were doing is taking action and trying to figure out the next best step. And that mm -hmm. next, best step, next best step was to find that other wholesaler who could JV with you. And I'll tell you what, um, tw half, in this case, half of something is a lot better than 100% of nothing which is about the path that you were going on your own, right? So sometimes it's, it's okay to, to give away some of the profit, to find that person who are, and you said he hasn't even been in the business that long. All the, it was a win-win, right? So mm -hmm. it's okay to, to do that stuff. So I'll encourage anybody, this is a team sport, and we can figure out how to work together. We can definitely do more business and uh, make more money together. So, and, and also, you know, help out the seller, help out the buyer, all of those things. There's a lot of wins here. Everybody's winning. So... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we're actually, okay. we're actually in the middle of a JV right now on a, uh, a contract that um, is currently in process as well. So it's, it's one of those where, um, like you said, it's it, putting one foot in front of the other. You know, I tried to create the perfect system up front. And the reality is I'm stumbling along the way, but I'm, I'm stumbling forward. 
I'm not, I'm not uh, quitting. I'm not, um, you know, freezing up out of fear, which is what I did those first few months. You know, it's the reality is if you're getting into this, it's going to be a learning, you know, a learning curve the whole way. And the ones that are going to be successful are um, just figuring it out as you go. And, and um, you know, being a part of this group has been a huge, huge factor, um, giving me the confidence to, to stumble forward. All right, so you've got this thing wholesale, made twenty thousand dollars, worked worked the JV deal in, and so let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back to that uh, deal you were talking about about a month and a half in. That it sounds like it didn't go well. So this was the first house that you closed. So this is in June. You joined the Mastermind Group in October. You in January, you and I start talking. Uh, we just happened to be there at dinner, and I shared something. I didn't realize it was going to change the way that you were going to go. I'm glad that it did. It sounds like. It, it turned the corner for you, forced you to take some more action, like bigger action than you were planning on taking. And then you um, closed this deal in May and, May and uh, got paid in June. So $20,000 in your pocket in June. First of all, before we go anywhere, how did that feel? Well, honestly, I, I don't know if I was going to be sending out another campaign. I was, I'd been putting everything on credit cards, um, you know, at flip hacking live you had mentioned you know um you know you give a little a little snippet on um wanting to you know just a short pitch on the mastermind group um you know obviously the the event isn't about that but you do make everyone aware of it and um one thing you had mentioned was you know you're not you, you don't want people going putting things on credit cards and and um to be a part of the group like everyone needs to be financially responsible. You know, I was in a position where I knew that if I did not take action and join the group, that I, I would remain frozen. I wouldn't be moving forward on this, this venture. So, um, so I did put it on the credit card. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I don't advise other people to do that. There was a lot of stress. Um, the, it felt really good to pay off uh, about 80% of that and, um, you know, be able to breathe and, and see that it was doable, you know, to have a contract, to see it through, to get paid, like reality was, was kicking in that this is, this is happening. I can do this. Let's do it again. Yeah. So the difference between doing no deals and doing one deal is like you're light years ahead of where you were before, in my opinion. And it could be a wholesale deal, a flip, or buying your first rental, whatever it is. Like, there's so many people that show up to real estate investment clubs, they're online, they're talking, they're in Facebook world, talking about how they want to become investors and do all this stuff. And that's, that's all well and good. But the second that you do that first deal, you actually become an investor. You'd be like, I did a deal, I made some money. Like, and you can see that it's possible, that it works, that it, you can do it. And if you can do it once, you can do it a hundred times. And so that's a huge stepping, like that's a huge point in this journey of ours. And I still, I still remember my first wholesale deal because um, I had never wholesaled a deal before. I flipped a couple, bought some rentals, never wholesaled a deal. And uh, I can remember everything about it how much money I made, where it, where it came from, who negotiated it, what it was. And I can't remember my 50th or my 25th or my 120th or my 400th, but I can remember my first. And it's like, that was huge. And it was just a $9,900. 
but I remember exactly where I was, exactly how it felt, and I'll never forget it, I don't think. And that's the cool thing about it. And then you go from one to 10, it becomes easier. And then 10 to, from 10 to 100, it becomes easy. And from 100 to 1,000, it becomes a lot easier. So you just see a couple different things. So feels good, $20,000. You mentioned the credit card. I do. So I, I, I'd like to call it an invitation, not necessarily a pitch, right? So you guys are invited to come into the mastermind in our world if you want. Um, but I do say, you know, I, this is not, um, don't spend your last dollar on it. Don't, don't do that stuff. But we have had plenty of successful people that have put, put this on their credit card or do different things or get loans. The interesting thing is we don't think about this as being like an investment ourselves. We think about it as some cost or expense or something like that. But we go to college and take these huge student loans, $35,000 a year, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool when you can, um, I, I definitely don't encourage people to go into debt to join our mastermind group. That's the biggest thing. But if you do, like this is definitely some uh, a com financial commitment that you're making going, man, if this like pays for itself, basically. At this point, you're pretty much paid off. For me, I did, I did a similar thing, uh, but I, I say now not to. I put my uh, first seven-figure flipping mastermind on my American Express Platinum card that I got from the military where I didn't have to pay the expensive fees. And so um, I put it on there knowing that I had a house that was closing and I was going to get $43,000 in three weeks, but I didn't even know. I wasn't even, I talked about being green in the beginning of this podcast when I joined, but I didn't even know that I was going to, uh, that that could get canceled. Like they could actually fall out of escrow or they push the closing. And I got $25,000 on a credit card that I've never had a balance over a couple thousand dollars of that. Like I, I've never paid interest before in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going, oh my gosh, I don't want to get hit with $25,000. But I don't even know what the interest rate is on this thing. It's probably like 18%. So uh, I was freaking out. Actually, I wasn't freaking out because I didn't even know that there was anything wrong. The house closed, everything was good, paid it off. But now looking back, I was like that that probably wasn't the best way to go, man. So um, that's, that's a lot of times my experience is why I give that advice sometimes. But I'm in the same boat as you. I know plenty of people who have done it. I definitely, like you said, I don't necessarily advise it, um, but I know there's people that are going to do it. So, but I'm definitely, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to provide financing on some like really high interest credit card to get you in the door. And that's not going to, that's not my MO. It's not who I'm going to be. So. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll add, it was, it was a calculated risk. I mean, you know, I had, I had uh, other ways that if I really had to, if, to take the loss, you know, I could have, could have done that to, you know, take care of the credit card, but it would have been painful and um, definitely still most definitely a loss, but it was a, it was a calculated decision that I made. And one of the, one of the things that you had told me at Flip Pack and Live, you know, you get asked this all the time, should I join the group? Well, I, you don't know very much about, you know, all these people, like everyone has their own situation. And, and, and what, what you told me was, um, you know, just, uh, it, you, you yourself know if, if, the, if it's the right time, like only you can make that decision. And for me, it's, it'd been several years in the making. And, you know, I, I looked at, like I said, a calculated risk and, and for me it was time. So I probably got that question 50 times at the event. And I bet like, I bet other people around got that question too. And I have the same answer for every single person. And I'll answer it right here on the podcast. If you're listening to it and you're like, Hey, I've been thinking about you know, submitting an application for the altitude group uh, for years or, or right now or whatever. Like my answer is who am I to tell you whether this is right for you? Like only, you know, your situation, you know who you are. 
you know where you are, you know what your financial picture looks like, you know what your goals are, you know what your why is, you know all of these things. Like maybe if we spent two days together, I could give you an idea or a, a couple hours of conversation. But even then, who am I to tell you that this is right or not for you? Like I can tell you what it is. I can tell you what the opportunity is. I can also show you other people who have been successful. I can show you what's possible. And then you can make a decision whether you're going to go take that or not. And so I, I tell the same, same conversation I had uh, with Chad and Ashley Whitaker, who were on the, the, this first deal type podcast stories with, uh, with me. Um, we've done uh, interviews with lots of different, a lot of the people that I've done interviews with in the runway program, they were there in the morning asking me these questions, whether it was in the gym or running or wherever we were in San Diego. And they'd ask me the same thing. And um, I'm a little bit disappointed that I'm not going to have those conversations, but I'm just going to record this exact thing. Like, do whatever you think that you should do. And there it is. I'll just play it on repeat at the virtual event for all of you to listen to. But you know what, what like you're investing in yourself. This is, you have to be committed to, like you have to actually believe it. You have to feel it. Like you said, Andrew, it has to be the right time for you. Right. And it was the right time for you. And it wasn't in 2016, 2017, 2018, just wasn't right. And that's okay. It's okay to, I'm going to wait till next year. I'm not ready, you know, and it's definitely not uh, high pressure stuff. So let's go back to the, um, to that other deal you were talking about, which it sounds like it didn't go so well. So what happened? Yeah. So, uh, very motivated lead house house had been basically wrecked by tenants. Um, and she, there's, there's no way that, you know, she could repair everything herself. Just, it it was, it was really sad um, for her situation. And so we, we had an opportunity to be able to come in and, um, you know, give her, we, we offered her um, a really solid price. Um, She, she wasn't thrilled by it. Um, You know, we were doing it via zoom. This was right around the time things were starting to, you know, uh, ramp up. with not being able to do things in person and um you know she didn't she didn't sign the uh, electronic uh contract at that time um she wanted to a little time to sleep on it and it made me nervous uh because we had a verbal agreement but i didn't know if what would happen so uh, we weren't able to get a hold of her a little while other opportunities came in people that she knew that were in real estate um we had another another run at it but um by that point you know we had lost the deal to someone that could give a little higher price so um you know it it really changed my mindset on when handling negotiations you know i originally i could have gone a little a little higher and i i think she would have been happy with that number um but you know i also was trying to maximize um you know, the margin a bit. And uh, it ultimately, you know, I think ultimately I lost the deal because, you know, she wasn't quite ready to sign yet. And like you said, something is better than nothing. And in that case, it was nothing. Yeah, so I see I see a lot of people, um, especially in the beginning, they're trying to get as much out of this, uh, like sticking to their numbers, and they want to make sure that they're perfect and everything's great, and they're not, uh, you know, disappointing the seller or even giving it a shot. And then on the other end, you've got the people who are like, I don't care what you're off, like what what you want, I'll just say yes, and then I'll come back for a huge price reduction afterwards. Like, 
I, so I don't, I definitely don't uh, like to fall on the boat of just give them what they want and then ask for a twenty, thirty thousand dollar price slash when you know that you can't pay that. And then on the other side, it's like give like give it a give it a little push. Like let's see if we can give it a shot. And there's definitely a talk track to that of, hey, um, I, I I just don't think I I don't know if I can do that. But and they want five thousand more. Like I tell you what, let me let me give this a shot. Let me you know reach out to my investment partners. Let me see if they whatever whatever words you use as your wholesaling deals, um, uh, your partners, whatever you want to say. And let me see if they can do it. Like, let me see if I can get the financing. Let me, let me just check the repair numbers. Let me, let me see what it is and give it a shot and then come back and say, Hey, give me a week. Worst case, I'm going to come back at my same number. I know I can get it done there. And so we do that a lot where we'll go send out a deal and it's quiet. We're like, yep, knew it. And then sometimes we'll send it out and go, Whoa, it's going way above asking price. Our numbers were way off. What's going on here? What did we miss? And sometimes you're surprised, but you can't do that unless you give it a shot. So um, obviously, like somewhere in the middle is probably the way to be, you know? So didn't sign the e-contract. Um, you, you, you had the verbal. She said yes. This happens all, a lot with us. It's like we get verbal yeses. I assume ver even like everything that we do, a verbal sales kind of contract, yeah, that sounds good. Send over the paperwork. That's like, okay. Did I, did I uncover all the objections? Did I get to the bottom of what's going on? If you truly solve their problem, they're just like ready to sign. Like you've got to get those objections out. So there's probably something that you missed, something that you didn't uncover, uh, something that just didn't sit right with her, obviously. She may have been shopping around. Um, when you're new, you don't even know to ask, like, do you have anybody else coming in to talk with you? Have you, have you had anybody come by? Are you talking to any, why wouldn't you just list this beautiful house on the MLS? Like, try to get through all of those things, remove all the objections and figure it all out. So does anybody else have to make this decision with you? All right, so it's very easy at that point to, you've got this deal that's come through, um, you think it's a deal, you, it, she doesn't sign the contract, it falls out, you know, it's gone, right? Gone. And so at that point, you've got a couple choices. You can, most people just give up, they get upset, they feel deflated, all that stuff, or you can get back on the horse and keep going. So I guess my question to you is like, what, how did you feel after that? You lost that first deal and you had been doing all that work. How did you feel? Definitely felt deflated. Um, you know, I, I also felt, um, you know, it's, it was a deal that, it could have been a deal. It should, it should have been uh, moving forward. So, you know, again, that hope up, um, having, imagining that I was paying off, you know, the credit cards at that point, um, and, then, and then having that go away felt uh, very disheartening. But I was also trusting the processes and the systems that, you know, not every deal is going to go through, but by showing up and keeping the feet moving forward, eventually that, that first deal would happen. And so to put a positive spin on it, it, I allowed that lost deal to reinforce that those deals are out there. I just need to go find one and, and get it to closing. So um, tried to, it, it definitely, there's the negative part about it, but tried to also look at it positively to keep moving forward. Awesome. And so how, how were these deals coming through? Was it, uh, were they all coming from direct mail? Is that what you were doing? They're all direct mail, um, at this point, um, using pretty much one of, one of the templates that you had, 
uh, provided us within the group and, and then just tailored it a little bit. And, um, you know, been taking in those calls, changing up the list. Uh, since that point, you know, I've started to incorporate uh, some Facebook ads um, through, you know, one of the members in the group. So, um, but yeah, for the first six months, it was all direct mail. Uh, so direct mail in a competitive area of Arizona and you got some deals, got getting leads, those kind of things. Pretty cool. Like uh, consistency is happening. It's working. It starts building on itself, right? So uh, mm -hmm. direct mail can work. It does work. It still works. It, uh, for us, it's getting a little bit more expensive, but it still works for us. And it's cool to hear that it works for you. And so um, obviously we have a bunch of the videos of different marketing channels and stuff like that in the, in the vault. So from there, you, uh, okay, so you got that deal fell out. You had the next one that was like this big relief, May, June. So like, like eight months, eight months after joining the mastermind group, getting the first deal. So it took me four and a half months to get my first wholesale deal. I was spending $5,000 a month. So I was somewhere around like $22,500, not including the $25,000 for the mastermind, right? When I got my first deal, that $9,900 deal. So imagine what would have happened if I quit after, you know, two months, three months, most people, a month, two months, three months. I really, like we named this group the seven figure runway for a reason. Like you got to give yourself runway, you know, six months, nine months a year. And I put it together for a year because I know some people, it takes a little bit before they can really get going. And, um, and so it's cool to see that, that you just kept going, kept after it all the way through May to get that first deal. You get that cash in, infusion. And then what's happened since then? Like give us a quick highlight um, before we wrap up of um, how things are going now. Yeah, so um, I just mentioned, you know, I've expanded uh, my marketing uh, into a, another second um, avenue. Uh, I have a contract that, um, Currently, it's a higher price point one that I'm actually JVing with the buyer that I assigned to on the on the first deal. Um, since he's local, I again expanded my market, and he's near there, um, even further out. And uh, so we're working through that. Um, just got another contract signed yesterday, um, uh, closer to my market, thankfully. And there's a third one that um, we're just uh, waiting. On the sellers to uh, pray about and and feel comfortable with so um, which kind of reminisces a little bit with that first loss deal but but I know that they're not they're not necessarily shopping around they, they, they like the numbers that we offered they just want to be at ease about um, moving forward with with selling to us okay so first paid deal in June closes and now we're recording this in July and two Two deals under contract and one that looks good like it's going to happen. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. When you go from zero to one, like this is what happened to me. One deal, next month it was two, then three, then five, then 10. You know, it just starts growing and you start getting more confidence. You start rolling. You start feeling, you know, more comfortable, understanding it. It starts to become a little bit easier. Like, how do you feel? Does it feel like it's a little bit easier now? Like you're, you're becoming a little bit more of a pro or, or what? A, a little bit. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not there, but for sure feeling a little more at ease. I feel like, I feel like the opportunity for, for all the hats to start. Um, I can, I can peel off another hat here um, in the near future as I gain, gain more financial runway. Um, and 
and I've ventured into uh, some other, as I'm now venturing into other deal structures, gaining that experience and, and um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, I, I can envision the future and, and scaled growth. And as being a part of this group, um, you know, I was in, you know, we have the 12 week accountability uh, group to everyone checks in on their businesses. And I was, I was with some really solid people last go around and um, they're way further along than I am and just seeing where they're at. And even though I wasn't necessarily achieving all my goals each week, but being able to talk to them, bounce off ideas. Um, you know, during this time I had, I had closed on my first deal and, and we talked about like just how it's like your eyes start to open up and, and all the possibilities that, that uh, start to become a reality that it, it can happen. It, this is for real. It's cool. The uh, small group accountability is so powerful. You're in mixed in with kind of altitude and runway members and we've, we've made it very easy to bring uh, other people to help and, and make new contacts. I, I'm actually, I joined one for this quarter coming up, so I'm really excited about it. Um, Becca and Bethany have done an absolutely amazing job with it. I think it's like, it's, it's one of the best things that we have inside the group now. It's, abs it's incredible. So, so you've seen some success with it. Yeah, with the accountability groups, definitely. And, you know, they were, several of them were flippers, you know, so me, a wholesaler being in there, you know, it was, it, it's not like, um, you know, we all had to be the same. It was just cheering each other on. And, and if you didn't, if you didn't achieve something that week, well, why? All right, what can we do to help? You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah, when you show up, when your peers and people that are a little bit ahead of you are looking at you and you know that you have to get something done to show up and report on it once a week, um, it's more likely that you're going to get it done. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, every time I show up each week at our L10 meeting and I have to say my to-dos aren't done or I'm off track on my rocks or I didn't hit the number on my scorecard and stuff like that, it does not feel good. Believe me, I'm driving hard to get those things done. And it gives you that little level, a little bit of fire that you need uh, on top of how you hold yourself accountable. Cause I mean, we're talking to like an army officer, right? It, like you're going to hold yourself accountable, but when you show up around other people, I don't know, we take it to another level. It's crazy. And that's what the mastermind groups always did for me. Every quarter that I was showing up to another meeting when it was, it was, wasn't baked in like a program that we had, like we have now, which is fantastic, but it would just be this, like this, level of accountability that I would hold myself to a higher standard. And, I, and like in the last two weeks before that event, I would just get a bunch more stuff done because I didn't want to show up and say, I'm in the same place I was last quarter. Just doesn't work well. Right. So, um, okay. Uh, we've been, I, I love this. Like you have such a cool story. You're, you're, you're wholesaling and potentially flipping in a market that's outside of yours. It took you a while to get ramped up and going like you, and then you started exactly how I tell people not to and like creating everything, but you listened, right? When, when we had just a short conversation, you were like, you know what? A lot of people are just like, what does he know? Like, that's not right. Uh, I'm not, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to do this. Or I, I've gone this far. Why am I going to make a change? Like you adapted, you adjusted, you shifted into a different area. And I think that was part of the reason for your success. Uh, I'm certainly not going to take credit for it. You did all the work and it was just one comment that you actually listened to, thought about, made an adjustment and a change and said, okay, this makes a little bit of sense. Let me figure out what that looks like.
And then you did it. And then you put in the time for the next like five months straight of putting in the work over and over and over again, basically expecting nothing in return. And then when you get something, it's like this big relief and then the floodgates open a little bit. So I wouldn't doubt that when, when you come to Flip Hacking Live in October in just a couple of months, the end of this next accountability group, that you're doing three deals a month, four deals a month, and it's starting to become consistent. And you're starting to see it because you're right there. Like you're right on that like little hockey stick area for that next level of growth. You're busting through the next ceiling. So it's cool to see. And uh, I'm excited about it. So I got one more question for you before we go. And with Flip Hacking Live coming up in just like two and a half months, we've talked about it quite a bit. But what would, you, what would you say to someone who's like, I, I don't know if I, I should go to this. Like, I don't know if this is for me or I'm thinking about going. Um, you know, what would you say to that person? You know, first, first I would say this isn't, this isn't a, um, I, I would say remove the objection in your mind that this is a convention that, that you're getting pitched to all the time to pay money to, to, to then get the content that you originally went there and attended to, to get in the first place. This isn't like, you know, that, that kind of mindset. If, if you're at all interested and uh, in real estate, you, you don't know necessarily where to start or what does it look like, then, then definitely show up, um, especially being virtual this year. Um, I mean, you, you're not really having to spend much money at all, especially since uh, not having to travel. So I would say show up. Because if you have any intention to move forward in real estate investing, you have to show up. Failure is going to happen. You know, there's going to be hurdles to get over, um, even even when experienced. You know, uh, that's why you know you, you guys are still in the accountability groups because it's if it was easy, everybody would do it. So definitely, first and more foremost, show up. The content will be excellent. You know, based upon what we saw last year. Um, I'm sure it's going to just be even better this year. And, um, you know, I, I wish it could be in person, you know, it'd be great to, to be able to hang out with everybody. Um, but you know, it, it's still going to be really awesome. You know what the thing is like people, people say we, that we wish it was in person, but we wish it was in person last year. Like you, you remember what last year was like and you want that this year. The problem mm -hmm. that I have is I can't give you that this year. Like imagine what last year would be like if you had to sit, sit six feet away from everybody else. We couldn't have any food in the, in the hotel. We had to have hand sanitizer, washing, wearing masks, like uh, security protocols where a group of people couldn't be in a certain room above a certain number of people. Um, it just, it's just not what we, we, like, we think that we want. We want what we want to be in person, but we don't. Like um, it's, it's just not... It's just, it's interesting because I thought that I wanted that too until I, until I started understanding what they were continuously having us do and what's going on down in Florida right now is crazy and, um, or is in Orlando. So it's just like, we want, we want everything to be the way it was. Yeah. And so exactly. that's, that's the hard part is most people are saying like, yeah, you, you think that you want it in person, but you really don't. And then there's also about half of the people now that even bought a ticket that wouldn't go because they're not comfortable going. And I totally understand that. Like, and, and I also have to project what's going to happen in the next three months, which is definitely a challenge. So uh, I, think, I think what people are going to be really surprised by is that the level of intimacy and networking that we can provide 
the way that we have this set up and structured over these few days. And the other cool thing is I can bring in um, people that we wouldn't normally be able to bring in um, because it's virtual. So I have, uh, I have a few surprises uh, and I've been working on the program a lot. And you said like every year, my goal is to make this year better than last year. So this year, if most people are like, Oh man, I can't believe we're not going to be in person. It's going to be virtual. Like I have a big battle to make you feel like this year was better than last year. Right? Like Andrew Hawkins, I'm going to make sure that at the end of these three days, you go, this year was better than last year. I don't know how he did it because I wanted last year, I wanted to be in person. I wish it was that way. And next year you might be like, man, I wish we could do that again. <laughs> so like, that's my goal for everybody that's listening. Anybody that's been in the past, who's like on the fence of coming or not coming this year is like, really listen to me, like really listen to what I try to do. Everything we just try to one up it. So I am, this is not another three day zoom call. This is not an extended webinar. This isn't like, and this isn't going to be here in my office where I can see like a couple, I have a, a couple cameras set up and screens and stuff. It's not going to be like that either. It's going to be like, it's going to be like you're watching a live event from your house, your, uh, your uh, conference room, uh, ho the hotel that you get down the street to be away from your kids. Like, and you don't have to go negotiate five days away from your family, six days away from your family. You don't need to pay for an airplane ticket. You don't need to pay for the hotel room. You don't need to, um, yeah. You, you don't need to go through all of that stuff. You can sleep in your own bed. You can eat your own food. You can do the stuff that sometimes uh, becomes a dragon that a lot of people don't want to do. So anyway, and the price is cheaper right now. So I don't know when we're going to air this, but right now it's $297. It's like who in their right mind is not going to pay 297 bucks to, um, to come to an event like this. And it'll, it'll eventually go up and up uh, from there. And it'll be in line with what we were doing live. But um, you know, it's, it's this year is going to be, is going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And I am going to one up it from last year somehow. Like I'm figuring out a way right now. Uh, my event planner ran Tony Robbins's UPW event that had about over 40,000 people on a couple weeks ago. And so she learned a lot from that event and we're going to, we're going to implement that in our event and they're just continuously getting better. So, and that was a virtual event for a lot more people that are going to show up at our event. <laughs> Unless you know 39,000 more people um, that are interested in buying a ticket. And if you do, um, send them an email and let them know that, that they should come. But all right, I'm off my soapbox about Flipacking Live. I'm just really passionate about it. And I feel like the message um, that people, people are not understanding, like they want that in-person event, but they want the 2019 in-person event. They don't want the 2020 in-person. And you believe me, you don't want it. Because I just, we just had an event here with a couple people and when when um one of the one of when we all got home from from this uh, meeting somebody about six days later was positive for COVID-19 and do you know what the the domino effect is of that it's like did, was it there was it somewhere else what happened where are the kids what's going on so this is not an easy um thing that's going on that we're all going through. So um, we want the 2019 live event. We don't want the 2020 live event right now. So uh, trust me, I'm going to bring an awesome um, virtual event to everybody. So I'm sorry that you had to go through my like. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's anything like uh, a couple of the other events we, you know, had to do virtually because uh, we couldn't do in person, you know, the networking was definitely there. Um, you know, breakout rooms, um, you know, the first one using, um, 
one of one of the software platforms where people can meet up in different rooms. I mean, if you if you guys are doing anything like that, yeah, it's you're, we're still going to get that networking. And um, I totally agree. You know, virtual running this virtually, um, I know is a tough decision for you, but it definitely was the right one with what's going on. Yeah, the, uh, the, the mastermind events that we've had, we've had two big mastermind events that uh, for, for our members, our Altitude and Runway members that have been virtual. Uh, the feedback that we've gotten is amazing. And even some of the like high, high Bs or high Is, if you're a disc test, high Is that need to be around people, they, got, they felt good about it. Like they would love to do the hugs and things like that that they can't do. But at the end, they were like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that you guys could do that. And th this is like, we're going to 10X that. At, at this event because I have an entire, like we have programmers, we have um, software engineers, we have all the people that are bringing it's like serious tech to this and uh, it's going to take it to another level. So um, I can't wait for you to see it and all the mastermind members to see it and see what's possible because we don't really know what's possible until we see it. I want everybody to say, whoa, like I can't believe that they did that. I didn't know it was possible. And so, and I want to be the first person to bring it to you guys as a real estate investor uh, meeting. So Tony Robbins beat me uh, to it, but uh, it was just because our event was planned after his. So, all right, um, Andrew, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it, man. Um, I had a good time talking with you, even though you are an army guy. Um, <laughs> you're, you're all right in my book. And, uh, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing the future for you in, uh, in your real estate investing business and where you're going from here. And I'm excited that I'm just a small part of this journey and it's been really cool and fun to watch you kind of grow over the past few months and obviously make, make some of these challenging decisions. I've seen you struggle. Like I've seen it in the Facebook group. I've seen the posts. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've watched uh, some, some de deflation in some of, the, uh, some of the posts. I can hear it even just in the words through the computer and stuff like that. So, um, but sticking it out, that's some of the hardest thing that we can do. Um, having confidence in yourself, believing in you when nobody else might, or you might not even believe in yourself from sometimes, is, that's a really hard part that we go through in this, in this journey. It can be really intimidating and it can be really lonely. And um, it's cool when we have a group, the accountability groups that can support you, the Facebook groups that can support you, all that stuff to make sure that you continue to go forward and everybody's kind of like pulling you and pushing you along the way because sometimes we just wanna give up, right? Yeah, and that that really was the difference maker. Being a part of this group and and having the confidence um, that that I was on the right path and and trusting the processes that that were working for you guys. And you know, without having been a part of it, you know, I I don't think I'd be where I am. Most most definitely not. So awesome. I I love hearing that more than anything else. Like that is that makes me so proud. And I'm gonna take that clip right there and show it to the whole team on our call on Monday when we're all together. So thanks, Andrew. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Thank you, Bill. All right. Bye. Hey, it's Bill again. And I want to personally invite you to our biggest event of the year, Flip Hacking Live. If you could copy the exact deal sources, marketing strategies, negotiation tactics, and business systems of the most successful house flippers and wholesalers in the nation, how would that change your business? Flip Hacking Live is a three-day event that we do just once per year, and it's happening October 15th through the 17th. We bring in the nation's top wholesalers and house slippers to walk you through everything they're doing, how they're marketing directly to sellers, how they're picking up discounted off-market properties, how they're doubling their close ratio with the right negotiation tactics, how they're raising millions of dollars in private money, the things they're doing that other investors aren't doing, all of it. These are the guys and gals who are actively doing deals at a high volume in today's market all across the country. You get their full attention for three days. They have agreed to hold nothing back 
and you'll be right there with them so you can ask questions and get clarification on anything that you need. This is your chance to hack the nation's top flippers and wholesalers and ethically steal their exact strategies and systems. All you have to do is take notes, ask questions, and apply what you learn. But first, you need to get a ticket. We've sold out every year and ticket prices go up every few months. So go to fliphackinglive.com right now and get your tickets today. Fliphackinglive.com, October 15th through the 17th. This is an event that you cannot afford to miss.